this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Five teams are in and three are yet to be decided on the chase for the championship. Joe Rezaterritz gets the Century Club for the second time in his career. It's do or die for the rush and the riptide, and we bring you another edition of Fox Bets. All that and more right here on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? Why, Dylan Ward? I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! on the shot clock. It's Caputo who just tied the game. He shoots and he scores! Caputo puts Panther City in front. And there he is. And McKay will instantly come out and check on Cole. Force the turnover. Could be the dagger. And that is a fine articulation of the night for Buffalo and the season for the Bandits. What a moment. He's going to go back to New York the opposite way with McCray. Coach trying to catch him. McCray 1v3 and scores nonetheless. Bring him on down, McCray. Gets the goal, the odd man rush. Wrong side, Dan McCray, don't matter. He's putting in five hole there. No stranger to scoring big goals in the Coliseum in transition. Scored the first ever game-winning overtime goal back in the inaugural season, the 1920 season. McLaughlin's the late man. 16 to go. McLaughlin towards the net. Shot goes wide. What a rebound. Robbed by shoot. He made the save. He got a piece of that. That was a sure goal. Gets past Condre and starts. Jesse King with four. And Calgary, 13-11 up two. The patience and the IQ, the sense here from Jesse King. Rock putting on a show. This new decisive goal. They make it 13-6. Talked a lot about end of season awards. That guy right there, Mitch Desnew, certainly in the race for a couple, whether you want transition player of the year, defender of the year. Preston Terrence, swim move, here he comes, and he scores. Another hat trick for Joey Rez. 7-4 Albany. 
What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. It still rings true. Expect the unexpected. Week 20, bananas. Heading into week 21, just two weekends left. And by the end of this weekend, every team will have played 17 games. And on the final weekend, it's like it was planned this way. Every team plays their final game, and there will still most definitely be some games that have a lot of meaning. Welcome back to the show. He is Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter at pgreggy. I am Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast, or you can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Patty, what is going on, my friend? Uh, you guys had your last Eastern regular season TSN game of the week. You guys did some partying after. Uh, it was a good weekend. It was a great weekend, mind you. We just had a couple of beers at the old uh, George Hamilton. The just a couple. Just a couple pints. Just a quick couple pints. And it was uh, hopefully uh, see you later. Not a goodbye mm-hmm. for the season as we're still waiting to, to see what the plans are for the postseason coverage. But I'll be honest, uh, of course, obviously, you know, the regular season doing those broadcasts for TSN have been unbelievable. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to just sit on the couch and watch these last two weeks as a spectator have multiple screens open because you said it, man, these last two weeks, it's coming right down to the wire. And even with teams that already punched their tickets into the postseason, they're still battling for seating. And I think everything is going to go down to the 11th hour. And we're not going to figure out what the playoff picture is until the final week. And I'm excited to just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Uh, Buffalo clinches first overall and home throughout. Toronto clinches a home playoff date. Calgary clinches a playoff spot. So we've got five teams in. We have three teams remaining. And the easiest way that I can say that we kind of get even closer is Halifax wins and they are in. New York and Saskatchewan lose and they're out. Those are the only straight paths that we can give to. If you want to really mind meld your brain for 20 minutes, head over to laxflash.com. Check out Evan Schemenauer's article on the playoff madness. And he goes deep into this. He breaks down pretty much every scenario that your team has to get in or get out and what kind of help they need, who's got to win for them to get there. They break, he breaks down every possibility and it is as confusing to read as it was to say, but once you kind of read it and you, you think about it all, it, it does tend to make sense, but straight up the easiest path to playoff is for Halifax. They need to win and they are in if Saskatchewan or New York lose this weekend, or sorry, yeah, Saskatchewan or New York lose this weekend, they are eliminated. Everyone else that is in still has a chance no matter what happens this weekend. So uh, it is just wow. But what great work by Evan just to to take the time and, and, and do the math. Yeah, it's a really, really good breakdown. And uh, I'm not too sure if he's going to do a piece after this week and then, 
you know, leading into the final week. I hope so, because I really enjoyed reading it. I know he put a ton of work in, um, putting spreadsheets together, really figuring it out and, and breaking down um, the math. And you can go through it by the numbers or, you know, even simply enough. He just kind of puts out the scenarios and some per percentages for certain teams. Like I think he said, Halifax, they have a 0 0.78 chance to miss the playoffs so yes yeah they're they're all but in uh but with that being said they could lose both their games and some absolute chaos could happen yeah. uh but you mentioned it you said the best they are they're a win and in the other two teams you mentioned a lose and you're out but everything in between boy get your calculators ready get your schedules out get your your scores from weeks before uh, it's going to be absolute madness. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize that strength of victory and strength of schedule would be a possibility, and 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 that's just some crazy math. So again, laxflash.com is the website. Uh, check out Evan Schemenauer's article. We've all retweeted and posted to our socials, so uh, there's a lot going out. Um, before we get into thumbs up, thumbs down, a couple sort of interesting news notes uh, that came out. Uh, we didn't talk about this one last week, but Vegas will unveil something next week. Um, we imagine it will be the name. We don't know if it will include staff or anything like that. Um, they have done an incredible job keeping this under wraps uh, and not letting any leaks get out there. Uh, but next Tuesday, the 26th of April, coming in hot, as they say, Patty, uh, Las Vegas will have an identity. Yeah, I think that's got of I think that's what everyone's minds went to when they they saw that announcement. I think that's what everyone's hoping, and I hope it's a whole release where you know we see the name, maybe we get a logo. I do. We get the jerseys, but it would it would be really nice to kind of get a brand unveiling on that day. And I think that's all signs leading to that. I'm excited, man. Um, this is a group, like you said, they've done a pretty good job keeping things tight lipped. Um, obviously, rumors floating around but I, I think that this team has done a lot a lot of market research and trying to figuring out a name that works for the market the area they're playing in uh, the fan base that they're looking to bring in and I, I think um, it's it's exciting anytime I'm a big jersey guy I'm a big logo guy so I'm super stoked to see what they've got cooked up uh, we all kind of jokingly say, say please no more purple um, <laughs> in jersey color schemes but if you were there not knowing the name obviously but if you were there what color scheme would you go with would you mimic the golden knights would you go away from that would you mimic the raiders and go black and silver would or would you kind of steer away from that what, what are your thoughts I think obviously a lot of people including myself thought maybe for sure at, at first thought like the Golden Knights would be a great option, but they're pretty close to Vancouver's colors. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, you know, black and gold and maybe add some chrome in there. You know, the flashy bright lights of Vegas would be nice. Maybe some red. Um, I, I just think that the flashier the jerseys, the better it might look and represent Vegas. Um, not necessarily saying, cause I, I'm more, I like the simple clean look Jersey, but I think that we're going to see some shine and, uh, something that kind of represents, I wouldn't be surprised maybe even like 
like a tan color in there as well to represent, you know, the desert and, um, you know, the area, the landscape of what's down there. So if I had to guess bright lights. They, 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 they've been using coming, coming in hot the whole time. Like that's been their mm -hmm. slogan, their MO the whole time. So I'm thinking fire colors. And I go back to the Pittsburgh crossfire where it's like a yellow with red and orange, a little bit of yeah. white. Like you could, you, we yeah. don't have a yellow bodied Jersey in the NLL. Um, no. I think you could do something with that color. I kind of like your tan idea. Um, but I think the fire comes into play somehow with that. Uh, but I'm super excited. This has been, you know, as much as we all like to say, you know, when when a, a major thing happens in the NLL, the news gets out pretty quickly before the news gets out. Um, there's not a lot of news out there about Vegas, which is pretty cool to see. They have done an excellent job mm -hmm. keeping this in-house. And I'm excited for Tuesday, April 26th, uh, coming in hot Vegas will be unveiled. Uh, the other story that kind of um, caught people by surprise near the end of the week last week was Lane Rushka being outright released by the Georgia Swarm, essentially to make room for Miles Thompson on the roster. And they've now lost every goalie that they have drafted since moving to Georgia. It's, it's wild to think about when you think about the Orlemans and you think about Lane Rushka. Uh, these guys are now all gone. They're out of their fold. Poulin probably may be done after this year, and they must think Craig Wendy is their guy. And I'd imagine they don't have to protect Pooley in expansion so they can protect Wendy. They have a feeling they were probably going to lose Lane Rushka to that expansion draft. But the fact that they just give him up and who else but Derek Keenan gobbles him up in an instant. Uh, so they get the hometown boy in Saskatchewan. But just what an absolute bizarre scenario in Georgia with their goaltenders. One small thing. I do hmm. believe that they still do have Aiden Walsh, who they did draft ah, okay, um, in the 2021 draft, 25th overall. But I know what you're saying. There have been so many prospects that they've brought in and they've kind of let go and some for expansion drafts, this one here, releasing them so they could activate Miles Thompson. Um, definitely a weird, interesting scenario in Georgia. But for me, I think it's an absolute no-brainer that Derek Keenan went in and, and grabbed Rushka. Like, he's a local guy. There's a lot of uncertainty in between the pipes with the rush. Um, you know, they got some young guys. They clearly – that's one thing that had been a weak, weak point or a weakness of this team was goaltending this year. Um, you know, Adam Shute, they had a lot of faith coming in. I don't think he – really lived up to, to the hype and the belief that they had in him. That doesn't mean that they still don't trust him. They bring in Eric Penny, who was great in some spots, not so great in other spots. And then, you know, this is just an opportunity that they can go out and grab a local guy, a guy that's going to be able to compete, a guy they don't have to fly out every single week. He's a guy that could probably do some grassroots uh, level stuff uh, in the community. And, it kind of, it, like I said, it, it's a no-brainer. It's, it's really bizarre the, how it happened. But again, 
it happened. Um, and now I think going forward, you got to think uh, it's going to be a battle between him and Cameron Dunk- Dunkerley uh, to be battling for quote unquote, the goalie of the future for that yeah, franchise. Absolutely. And like the fact that they don't really have anybody living in market in Saskatchewan to get a hometown boy in there that, you know, his name carries some weight in the Saskatchewan lacrosse world and mm-hmm. to have him and, and possibly sort of be the cornerstone of your organization between the pipes is a, and get him for free. Like he was a first round draft pick by George. Yeah. And, yeah. and Derek Keenan gets him for free. So uh, just an absolute coup there for jammer to get, get Elaine Rushka and be interesting to see what they do because the fact that Saskatchewan still <laughs> is, you know, in contention for the playoffs just boggles my mind, obviously a loss and they're out, but this is sort of my take of what's going to, if they keep winning, obviously they have to ride shoot all the way through to see if they can make it in the playoffs. But the moment they get knocked out. So if they lose this weekend, that last game of the season, it would not surprise me if they give Cam mm-hmm. Dunkerley half the game and they give Lane Rushka half the game just to see, right. Mm-hmm. Instead of, instead of doing it at the start of the year where, you know, and, and running through a camp, just give each guy a half, see what they can do. You, like if you're out of the playoffs, you're going to give two young kids their first minutes in the NLL and, and say, okay, Hey, this is, this is day one of you two battling out to be our starter next year. And it's just, I would love to see it. We don't, you know, those aren't things that we often see, you know, especially with goaltenders is just giving them an opportunity in a game that doesn't mean a whole lot. So if, if the rush are out, I could totally see it happening. And it's an opportunity, like you said, it just, and even if one of them go in there and, and, and stink the joint out, it doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, they're done. We can't have this guy playing for us in the future. Right. It's just an opportunity to see where they are because yeah. they obviously believe that both these guys are potential national lacrosse league goalies. It's just, mm-hmm. are they a goalie that they can maybe – pencil in as a backup next season is it a guy that's going to compete for a starting job or is this a guy that maybe we have on the practice roster and allow him to grow so that's more or less what i think they need to do and and i totally agree with you as soon as you started to bring up that conversation i knew what you were saying and i 1000 percent agree um and also maybe which goaltender they're going to protect Yes. Very true. Very true. That's an, that, that's an even better point because as we know um, that usually is one of the biggest targets when it comes to these expansion drafts, which goalie can you grab? Who's going to be taken? Our team's going to take two goalies, which we've seen before. So, um, and there's a lot of good goaltenders out there. Um, Look at, look at San Diego. Frankie O'Rig and Justin Getty, right? Mm -hmm. You're losing one of them which one are you going to be okay with losing? Right. Exactly. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, so those are just some uh, of the odd stories we, we didn't chat about or didn't get a chance to talk about just because of when they happened. Uh, but again, as always, if you want, check out last class with Jake and Brad, who do uh, an incredible job of breaking down week 20 in all of the games uh, time now for thumbs up, thumbs down. I went first last week, Patty, uh, give me, a thumbs up. I'll start with my first, because I've got two this week. 
My first thumbs up is for Nick Rose. And it's a big thumbs up, but I think it's a quiet thumbs up that's happening around the league right now because I don't necessarily think he's getting enough love for the season that he's having. And I don't think enough people are talking about him being in the race for goaltender of the year. He's leading the league in goals against average with a 9.18 GAA. I believe he's third in save percentage, just just under a 0.8. I believe it's a 0.799. So he's right there. And he's got 12 wins and he's got Toronto in a spot where they're hosting a playoff game um, in Hamilton, a building that they've created a great atmosphere, a great new fan base. And he's just quietly going about his way, making big saves, but making it look easy. And I think it's his goaltending style that it's very, you know, calm, cool, and collected that it, maybe he doesn't get the recognition that a Matt Vince or a Christian Del Bianco or even a Dylan Ward get because he's just so calm. He doesn't really move all that, that much in the cage, but there's not too many guys that have better angles and that study shooters more uh, than Nick Rose. And I think it's super well-deserving. And I think if I had a vote right now, I would be giving my vote to Nick Rose, my second thumbs up. Uh, And this one was talked on Twitter quite a bit. And I got involved in the conversation. I'm going to say it, Jesse King. Uh, the most underrated forward and potentially the most underrated player in the NLL scoring a natural hat trick this week, but it's more than just the stats, um, offensive stats, I should say. Uh, he leads the league in, in cause turnovers as a forward. He gets a ton of loose balls. Um, he's a guy that scores big goals. He's become a leader on this team. And he's now a guy that I think when you look at this group, And the offense is now really starting to come together. Well, nothing's really changed for him. I think he was the glue of that offense while things weren't really going well. He was the one that was still producing. And uh, now he's a guy that I think is playing just as good as he was at the start of the season. And this is a team that's playing much better. And I think that if Calgary is going to be this team that we talked about slowly walking in to the playoff race and then hitting that, and sprinting right into potentially hosting a playoff spot. I think he is going to play a big role if they're going to make uh, some noise in the postseason. Thousand percent. One thousand percent. I agree with you because it's just been a pleasure to watch. And obviously, you know, having watched him in junior and kind of growing up, he was just always so good. And the, the nickname Jake gave him of the natural is very fitting just because mm-hmm. he does make it look so easy. He did go through some incredibly hard times with injuries. And there's a lot of stuff, you know, going around him with his brother off the floor. So there is still a lot of weight on his shoulders. But what he's been able to do this year has just been incredible to watch. And I'm so happy for him. Uh, I just get excited whenever I see him get excited for his teammates. I, it, there was a goal... Uh, this past weekend, someone scored and he jumped like two and a half feet off the ground, arms stretched out. Like he gets excited no matter who mm-hmm. scores or no matter what happens. And it's just a treat to watch him. And, and I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so glad Christian Del Bianco brought that up on Twitter the other night too, just because he really is. He doesn't get the praise he does because mm-hmm. Curtis Dixon kind of overshadows him. So 
shout out Kinger. Uh, just a, a, a real special season that he's putting together. I just want to quickly go back and ask, you mentioned um, about the atmosphere in first Ontario. What was it like this past weekend for, for that final home game of the regular season? It was unreal. I was there like, for the first was, Yeah, it was unreal. And you saw, you know, the full lower bowl pretty much um, like pretty close to being filled. Well, this was just about filled and they actually had to open up parts of the lower bowl. It was loud um, and it was from start to finish and it helps when your team's playing really well, but from start to finish, they were active, they were up, they were cheering, they were singing. Like it was an unreal atmosphere and it's a big, big building. Like, as you know, the roof is high and yeah. it holds a lot of bodies in that building, but still they got that place loud. They got it rocking. And I know there's a lot of people kind of worried about what this fan base and what this city, if they would embrace them. <clears throat> Getting a little emotional over there. You okay? No, no, the allergy season, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it was really cool to see and hear. And I think now that this city has embraced them, yes, there's people coming from all over the GTA, but I think the people of Hamilton that were maybe skeptical that they were called Toronto have kind of put that in the back burner and they're here embracing the rock. And I will say it though, it's pretty easy to build a fan base when you're winning and you're a championship contender. And that's certainly uh, what the Toronto rock are here. Uh, okay, those are two good thumbs up. Uh, my thumbs up. First one, Jeff Teat will be the first rookie to 100 points. Uh, just, yes, I am on record at the start of the season on Coast to Coast saying I didn't think he would win Rookie of the Year. I thought it was just too deep of a double cl rookie class. There were going to be so many guys that were going to be in contention that, that it wouldn't be Jeff Teat. And for 17 of 20 weeks, it looked like it was going to happen, but he has just absolutely put any thoughts of that to rest. He has just been outstanding his last three games, keeping his New York riptide in playoff contention. Doesn't matter if he's going up against the bottom team in the league or the top team in the league. He is just so even keeled, Patty. He is just so calm, so collected. Nothing he does looks like it takes a lot of effort. And even he's going to only play 16 of 18 games and he's going to surpass the hundred point mark in his very first year. There are guys in the NLL who have played a dozen seasons and never gotten close to the hundred point mark and been a star player in our league. And he is doing it in his first year. And I'm sure he's going to be doing it for many, many years to come. Uh, just an outstanding rookie season to watch. Uh, Huge thumbs up for Jeff T. My second thumbs up, uh, Albany coming ready to play in a big game. And we're going to talk mm -hmm. to Joey Reziter, it's Buffalo Joe, about this. When you need a game and you can show up and, and put a game together like they had this weekend, 11-5 at home against Philadelphia, another team that they're battling for a playoff spot, when you can come and have that kind of effort from everybody, it really shows the character in that room. And Albany is a team that has been AKA Jekyll and Hyde. Like we always say a little of this, a little bit of that, but if they can put some, keep these wins going and they can take on New York, that final game of the year, 
if they get in, I don't think I want to play them in a one gamer. No, this is a team that I think I was super high on coming into the year. A team that I will fully admit, I jumped off the bandwagon and said, you know what, this is just not the year. But they're a team that I should not have doubted their character and their coaching staff and the belief that the coaching staff had in this group. And for me, it was just injury after injury and guys banged up coming out of the lineup, especially defensively. Like we never really saw a, a game or games in a row where we're like, okay, that's the defensive effort that we were expecting. Or, yep, that's Doug Jameson. He's put it together, but down the stretch here, and we'll see what they can do in their last game of the year, heading into the postseason potentially. Can the defense play like that again? Can Doug Jamison find a groove? And if they do, I 100% agree with you. This is a team you do not want to play, especially in a one-and-done situation. Uh, you put them in any seed, especially that crossover. They've already beat San Diego. They're a team that I think – like that's the thing with the coaching staff they're gonna have a game plan for everyone they're a very smart coaching staff and they're a team that buys in and joe rezateris was talking to ashley talking after the game of the week uh, in halifax when they beat halifax for the second time he said like you know what we don't really care what anyone outside of this locker room thinks. We don't care what our record is because we know our record's not as good. Like we're a championship contending team. Yeah. Um, all we got to do is get there. And from that point on, it's been a grind, but if they can get in, they're a team that believes that they can win. And to go back to your other thumbs up, because I think these two are completely bang on. We talk obviously about Jeff Teton, the numbers uh, in terms of goals, the assists, the points, talk about his intangibles, about how smart he is and how he's got that killer instinct. One really underrated thing about his game and about this season, he's leading all forwards in loose balls with 100. Yeah, good point. He is seventh in cause turnovers amongst forwards jesse king has 13 and and to be honest they have connor kirst listed as a forward here so technically he's actually in sixth so this is a guy that you can't find a hole in his game and i know he's the rookie of the year and a lot of rookie of the years you kind of have a hard time finding but if you talk to a coach yeah you know what like he had a great year but you know it going into the season the thing that's going to take him to the next level is this, or, you know, he's got to put on a little bit more weight or this and that. I don't know what you tell Jeff T he needs to get better at this off season because he is already one of the best players in the game. We know he's going to win the rookie of the year. It's just now the question is how many MVPs is he going to win? Is he going to be able to lead the riptide in the postseason? And then one day, is he going to be able to lead the Riptide to a championship? This is a special player. This has been a special season. And we shouldn't be surprised because we've seen him do this time and time again every time he enters a new league. Uh, I think I know one thing he can work on. He's only 75% on, uh, on penalty shots this year. It's three for four. <laughs> Uh that's that's hilarious. That's hilarious. How is yeah, he taking four penalty shots already? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right. Uh, thumbs down this week. I'll go first. Warriors have gone from third to sixth in the NLL West, a four-game losing streak. Again, much like we talked about, we all thought kind of San Diego was penciled in that number one seed in the West. We all kind of figured Vancouver was cruising in the three-hole, but they have hit a terrible stretch at the worst time. They are great one shift. They are terrible the next. They are good one quarter, terrible the next. It has just been uh, uh, just a, a mind melt. I feel like I'm reading... Evan's articles again. I just cannot figure out this Vancouver team. We talked about it. You get Killen and Ball to put up 12 of 13 goals or 11 of 13 and you guys are 11 of 12 and you guys and and they lose. This weekend, they put up 13 and, and lose to a Calgary team that puts up 15. They just cannot get consistency throughout that entire roster uh, and they're uh, pretty much out of the playoffs now. Well, they are out of the playoffs now. And mm-hmm. you have to do a lot of head scratching in that organization. Yes, you lost Mitch Jones. Yes, you lost Tyrell Hamer Jackson. But I, I don't know how much of a difference they play. Okay, let, hold on. Let me backtrack. I think if you still have those two guys, you are a much better team. I just don't know if the way that they were playing changes because you add in Mitch Jones and now Keegan ball and Kyle Killen aren't getting as many touches. I think the, the lack of production from their left-handers has been a major glaring issue. And that is something they're going to need to fix. Charlotte Medes has gotten better, but he's not been what they had hoped he had been. Hopefully he can get there one day, but Throughout that left side, they haven't gotten the consistency they have from the other side of the floor. That has got to be an area of concern. They haven't gotten the goaltending that they've wanted by any chance. That has to be an area of concern. Their defense, their short man, their penalty kill, their their power play even, have been excellent. Mm -hmm. But the lack of production of the left-hand side and the consistency in between the pipes has been their downfall. And I do really think that if they miss the postseason by a game or, you know, they finish in fourth and the East actually grabs that crossover, like, of course, they're going to be disappointed. Of yeah. course, they're going to be upset. But I think as an organization, they can say, okay, we yeah, took a step forward. But, but the way that they just crumbled down yeah. the stretch certainly is a cause for concern. But I think going forward, it's going to be tough because I think like that's a competitive group. That's a group that had such high expectations after the way they started. So it's going to be tough for them to, to take a lot of positives. But I do think that there are only a few moves away from potentially shoring up those issues that you, you, you discussed. But with that being said, you got to be thinking like, man, we let that one slip. And I think that's going to be motivation for this group, for this management and for this coaching staff going forward. And it might be a good thing going forward, but nonetheless, certainly something that they did not envision the way uh, going down the stretch. And I, I'll lead right into my thumbs down. Same thing. The wings. Great start to the season. Completely crumble. And then they have the wherewithal to battle back put themselves right into a situation. And then the biggest game of the year 
they go ahead and just lay an absolute egg against the team that you're battling for. Luckily for them, they're not out of things. They've just made it so much worse. They could have put themselves in such a good situation, could have potentially clinched at least the crossover. Now you're battling for your playoff lives and putting a lot of faith in other teams' hands. And I bet you that just absolutely is driving Paul Day bonkers because on the flip side, unlike Vancouver, I don't think the expectations were quite as high as what the Philadelphia Wings had for this season. But with that being said, they know what they need to address. They know that their offense has to be better. They will go out in the offseason. They're going to make some big changes out the front gate. The defense is pretty close. I think in between that, they they do believe in Higgins, and I think they're going to roll with Higgins. Maybe they might tighten some things out on the back end to help him be a little bit more successful. Um, But same thing. They're not going to be happy with that season as they shouldn't because this is a team that I think everyone thought, especially if they missed the, the playoffs, this is a team that everyone thought would be battling for an NL Cup. Yep, I had them going to the finals. I had them beating Buffalo in the East and going to the finals. So uh, just a real shocker. You know, again, they started out ridiculously hot and then hit a dry spell where their offense couldn't score. They insert Sam McClare and Kyle Jackson, their offense. They get a quick breath of life. And then biggest game of the year, they get the boots laid to them by Joe Reza Terrence and the Albany Firewolves. Joey Rez has become the second American to score 100 points in the National Lacrosse League. The only other American to do it, you might have heard of him, Joey Rez. He joins <laughs> us now right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. That is right. He has done it twice. The 100-point club, Joe Rez-Terris of the Albany Firewolves. Joe, how are you, man? Good. How are you? Uh, I am fantastic. Uh, it has been a bit of an up-and-down season for you guys, but obviously still some and a lot to play for. Uh, what's the mood in that room going into the final two weeks? You know, it's, it's basically we know that, you know, we're in a tough – our backs are against the wall. Um, you know, we – like you said, our season's been up and down. You know, we didn't do ourselves any favors sometimes this year. Um, you know, we go out and we play, you know, lose a couple of tough games that, we sh- that we'd like to, co- uh, like to have back. But, um, but there's times it looks like we could be the best team in the league. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's the spot we were put in after the New York loss, which was a, a t- really tough pill to swallow that game. Um, but, you know, I think after that game, I think everyone got a little bit of a reality check that, you know, that this isn't easy just to, you know, turn it on whenever. Like, every team's good at this level. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I think at the Vancouver game and, you know, last week, we showed who, who we are, and it shows you everyone wants it. Um, you know, I think after the Vancouver game, we had a bye week and, you know, not – trying to make injuries as an excuse, but, um, you know, the bye week helped us guys to recover a little bit. Um, we've had guys in and out of the lineup, and uh, last week was, you know, our full lineup. And, um, you know, it was, it was good to finally have, especially with the importance of these next two games coming up. When you guys were in Halifax and you had that huge win on the road, you spoke to Ashley Docking in a post-game interview. And you said that you believed in this group and you knew that your record didn't reflect what kind of team you are. 
what's the belief in this room of you mentioned you guys have that ability to be a championship team what's the belief like in that locker room that we know what we're capable of you know and we know how special a locker room we have you know there's times you know we had that stretch of playing san diego buffalo and halifax and at the time they were uh one two and three and um one two of those games about uh you know you know the best team going right now uh in overtime so we we know we're when our head's in the right place and we're sticking to what we can control and you know not letting the game slip away from us you know we know what we're capable of doing you know i know teams are teams don't you know really underestimate us because they know what we what we're capable of doing um you know, it's just all about how we are able to control our emotions. You know, that's, there's times this year, there's a few losses where things weren't going our way. We just kind of let the game get away from us. And, um, you know, right now, you know, the last two games we've had, um, we were in a really good spot. And, um, you know, this week off and then, you know, playing a, a, a New York team that, that I really think is a playoff team and their record doesn't show what uh show who they are i mean they they made some big trades at the deadline as well and you could see you know maybe if they did those trades earlier in the year you know they, they'd be sitting in a, a lock in the playoff spot you know so um you know they're going to be expecting us to come out full swing in with nothing to lose because you know if we lose that game you know it's, it's not going to look good for us you've been this with, with this organization for for three years now or three seasons What's changed from the old Black Wolves to the Fire Wolves of Albany? How is this team different? Um, you know, the, the plus is uh, I, we lost. The plus is we bring you know majority of our team. Um, we, we still have the majority of the team we had uh, two years ago or whatever it was the last time um, before mm-hmm. COVID. Uh, we were first place in the league, <clears throat> and. Uh, you know, those off, the off-season happened. We lost, you know, losing the best player in the league at that time, Callum Crawford, and still doing, obviously, what he's capable of doing. Um, and losing Steph LeBlanc. So we lost two high-powered offensive guys um, going into the season. So a lot of the guys on, up front, you know, we knew that we have Dougie and Nett, and that our whole defense is coming back. It, our offense is going to be a lot different, and uh, you know everyone just took it upon themselves that you know it's going to we're not going to be winning games, you know how we were that year, scoring 15 plus goals at times. Um, we knew we were going to see us going to have to grind defenses down, and everyone's going to have to chime in. You know, it's, it's, we knew it wasn't going to be an easy task, and um, you know, early in the year we struggled to get to 10 at times, and uh, Dougie and defense bailed us out, but. As, as time went on, I think, you know, guys were getting more comfortable together and, um, you know, everyone had trusted each other, you know, and that goes a long way. Um, and I think we had our, you know, our stride when we had to. But, uh, you know, the last two weeks, we've, we've put on a pretty good show on offense, so we got to keep continuing to do that. Has the message changed much from, from head coach Glenn Clark throughout the season, or has sort of the M.O. always been the same for you guys? It's always been the same. Like it, you know. He, you know, Clarky, you know, he does an amazing job with how how he approaches how we gotta. You know, he treats us as as pros. You know, mm-hmm. he expects us to, you know, be ready to play. 
you know, and he sees how good of a team, you know, how great of a locker room we have. You know, he's put an amazing team together, you know, for the last two years. And, um, you know, he's kept his group together. You know, he, he, believes, he believes in us and, you know, we believe in him. And, you know, the MO of you know, our team is that, you know, obviously going into the season, it was different. Um, like I said, you know, losing two big pieces on the offensive, uh, offensive side and two leaders of our team that <clears throat> we knew guys that each said there before he was like, everyone else is going to have to step up in different ways that they're, you know, maybe not used to. And, um, like I said, it took a couple weeks, you know, to find that rhythm. But, uh, you know, we're playing, we're, you know, there's, when we're on, you know, it's, you know what we're capable of doing. Who's the guy that's probably not getting enough love for, for what he does for you guys? I mean, there's, there's a few guys, um, you know, that I can name. Um, you know, a big guy <clears throat> that, you know, he's been a leader on this team forever, and, you know, he's a veteran guy, Johnny LaFontaine. Um, he's just how steady of a player he's been his whole career. And, um, you know, he's not a guy, he's not going to go out and steal a show like some defensive guys do, you know, causing turnovers, um, <clears throat> excuse me, getting loose balls and all that, which he'll do, but it's just, you see how smart of a player he is and how he, you know, you could put him on, you know, one of the team's best, other team's best players, and he kind of like glue on that guy. And it's, doesn't do anything over flashy. It doesn't do anything that, you know, a lot of people don't see. But, you know, the people who know this game and, you know, who really, you know, can follow that stuff know how important Johnny is to this team. When you look at a guy like Charlie Kitchen, uh, an American sort of field first guy that, that took the path of going up to Canada and playing some Canadian summer lacrosse and, and now is starting to have some success, in his rookie year, do you, do you kind of look back at him or look at him saying, hey, that was me seven, eight years ago when I first got in the league? Yeah, you know, like you see Kitsch, uh, you know, from us getting him back, you know, those first couple, you know, like we first see him in training camp till now, you know, I could see why the coaching staff was just in love with, you know, his game. And how how good of a player he's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch because he's got every attribute uh, going from that he is going to be uh, his level. And, um, you know, you see some of the stuff, stuff he's been doing week in and week out. You know, he's not a – he's, you know, he's still, you know, learned the game, you know, as he, as he goes. You know, I'm still learning stuff, you know, this late in the game that, you know, there are things I could be doing better. And um, – but just how he's starting to figure out how to use his size with his skill. Um, it's, it's fun to watch, you know, and, you know, to be able to pick that up as a rookie, uh, that that quick, uh, that's, that's something special because you don't, it takes guys a couple of years, you know, that aren't used to um, the speed of the indoor game. And, you know, the, the fact that he's picked it up, or, you know, is this year this, this, this good, you know, shows you, how good of a player he's really going to be. And um, he's something special. And, you know, you see a couple of weeks ago the goalie scored. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever attempted to something like that in my life and be able to <laughs> score that in a game. It shows you how much of a special talent he is.
it, it took you a while to, to kind of get into the mojo of the National Cross League, but, you know, after a few seasons, you start to, to produce, you start to get more comfortable. Do you feel a difference between your game now at 100 points and the 2018 season and 100 points? Is there different in Joey Rezateras' game? Um, yeah, I, I believe so. Um, you know, I that year was, you know, I, I, I owe a lot of the how, uh, to where I am now to, you know, a lot of guys I've played with over time and um, in this, at, since I've been uh, in the NLL and some of the coaches, you know, I, I really took the first couple of years to watch some of the greats. You know, I had the privilege of playing with, you know, in my opinion, the two best players I ever could have played with and Cody Jameson and Dan Dawson um, for five years in Rochester. And um, the things I learned from them and, you know, the faith they had in me to, to develop into the player, you know, I, I guess I am today. Um, that, you know, that that's something I really took in. You know, each and every year, you know, I was like, I got to be doing something better. You know, I, I know what I can do. I just got to, you know, you know, apply myself and do the little things off the off the floor that's going to, you know, get you a longer career and a better career. And, um, you know, but this past season, this, this season right now, you know, obviously with COVID hitting, um, I knew I was going to have to do something a little bit different than, you know, years past. Like, obviously, I was in the gym a lot, but... Um, being 32 and not playing for a year and a half, uh, I knew I had to go go about this different. And um, you know, I I went out and I got a personal trainer that you know that got me into the shape I needed to be. You know, about four about five months before the season uh, started. So I did that. You know, I really trained the right way. You know, being older now and. When I was playing for a year and a half. I, I knew I couldn't go about doing stuff how, you know, I did before, which was staying in shape and all that. But, um, you know, I really took it, you know, for granted, the stuff that, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to prove that I could still, you know, at 32, still, still could be all out there and, you know, be a, you know, be a good player and all that. So, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 it shows you, you know, the little things off the floor, um, the time you put in, you know, especially obviously younger, any time you can do it, but, you know, especially later in your career, you know, that's the stuff that's a must to uh, be to perform week in and week out. So does it boggle your mind that guys like Benny and Dawson and, and Soupy Campbell are still doing this at their age? Yeah, you know, it, it is amazing. <laughs> um, you know, I, there's he just had this long stretch and you know i i'm a lot i feel way more sore than you know i've ever been playing and um not not too bad not too yeah. bad but you yeah. know obviously feeling stuff that you know you know i maybe i feel it for a day after the game now i'm feeling it for a couple of days and <clears throat> but yeah you know, it, some guys just find a rhythm you know some guys yeah. You know, like you see Benny, you know, he's still doing the same thing, man. He's still still just dominant, you know, at age mm-hmm. 37. And, uh, you know, that, you know, and Tim's still being, you know, and I, I think he's one of the best pure goal scorers this sport's ever had. And, uh, you know, seeing him still do that at 37 is, is, is awesome to see. It really is. 
How critical was the trade for Benny, not just for your team's overall success, but for yours personally as well? It, it, was, it, it was the best thing that happened uh, to the team. I, I, I really think it was because we started out 0-2. Um, I'm sure you guys remember that uh, that debacle game we had against Rochester <laughs> where we just got absolutely yeah. pumped. And um, something needed to be done, right? I mean, we needed to add another piece, a veteran piece, because, you know, obviously we lost that with Callum and stuff. So yeah. adding, you know, a future Hall of Famer, to, you know, at that time was the best thing that happened to us. And, you know, it, it's the kind of thing, it's like a breath of fresh air having him around. You know, right, yeah. you know what he's going to do. You know, we know his leadership. We know he's, he's a vet, you know, veteran player. We know what he's capable of doing. And it just took pressure off a lot of guys. You know, myself, uh, Andrew Q, Riley O'Connor, just took a lot of pressure off us. Jacob Ruay, and it, 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 everyone felt a little bit more comfortable taking maybe a little bit step back to be like, all right, I don't have much pressure on me to go out and, you know, do a lot more than, you know, you know I'm used to. And um, the other times you're going to have to do that, but adding him, you know, just a threat, you know, his whole career, um, you know, being one of the best lacrosse players ever, you know, adding that in uh, just to a locker room too, because, I mean, he's one of the best teammates I've ever had. He's a great friend of mine for years. And, um, you know, for myself, you know, to be, have, a, have one of my really close friends back on the team and just another guy, you know, I, I played with him in Buffalo and we had good chemistry there and, you know, I was more of an off-ball player, um, obviously playing in Buffalo, but to be, uh, you know, to be handling the ball a lot more and to be able to, you know, find him, find him a lot for seeing him shooting stuff, you know, it's pretty cool to be able to do that again. As a guy that grew up in Western New York and, and an American field player, how did you come across the box across game? So, I actually, uh, I started playing at Newtown, um, which is uh, a local team here. Uh, when I was three years old, my dad got got us into it um, because the first year the Bandits had a um, team in, in a, a pro team. Uh, my dad just bought season tickets for the family, and you know, my my dad fell in love with the game. He's like, "We're gonna get you guys into it," and kind of from there, it just like, here I am, you know now. So. Um, yeah, I started playing box young age. You know, I I had the luxury of doing that, uh, being so close to the border. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I obviously took a different path than I would say most Americans that are in the league. Um, but you know, I grew up being a box player. You know, I, I think I always, you know, like to refer to myself as a box player, even when I was playing field in college. Even in I played in MLL for a bit. Um, I always played a, a box game you know, in the field, in the mm-hmm. field. So, um, you know, obviously it was the best thing that, you know, happened to me as a player. You know, my my parents had me up there a couple times a week playing. And, um, you know, I had a lot, quite a journey getting to where, um, where I am now, you know, you know, going to Fort Erie for a little bit. And, then, you know, the, the big jump was going over to St. Catharines. Um, you know, that was the best team, best team that was closest to us. And, you know, there's guys that I was growing up playing in minors with that are still playing professionally with me. And it's, it's pretty sweet to see. You know, Steve Priolo, um, you know, we had Joel McCready, Tyler Burton. 
uh, those are all guys I grew up playing with. And, um, you know, the fact to see them, uh, you know, playing still, you know, being the same age as me, still playing, it's, it's something special. How important were those summers in St. Catharines and even when you went to the Brampton Excelsiors in your development? It was, you know, I, I that, that playing that summer in Brampton was, um, you know, I really got a good taste of what the next level is going to be um, after college. If you know, if I want to, like, if I want to be a good professional lacrosse player, and um, it was a big learning year. You know, I, you know, getting drafted to Brampton. Um, I remember seeing, you know, my name, you know, on a write-up. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make this team. And I was seeing the names on the list. There's, you know, the Dawsons, Doyle, Sanderson, uh, <laughs> Sean Williams. You see the guys on the front. Yeah. And you're, you know, I won't be playing for this team. <laughs> and uh, I remember getting a call from Steve McCall. He's like, hey, we want you to play. You know, I'm, just, you know, I, I'm not sure what guys are going to be back, but, you know, we're going to have a good team. And we obviously want to get you to come up and we're – and I'm like, oh, you know, obviously, you know, it was on my mind. I'm like, yeah, I, you know, it's something, you know, I definitely think about. And, um, you know, and then they made a trade for my brother from Brooklyn. And then uh, I, I got my first call from uh, Hazen, Mike Hazen. And they're like, hey, you, you know, we just traded for your brother. Like, you know, we want, you're going to play. You want to play. So we'd like to have you up here. And, you know, that was a cool experience, you know, just, Finally getting to play with my brother for the first time ever, really, on a team. And, um, you know, that's, you know, where I learned what it takes to be a professional, honestly. You know, you see some of the, you know, older guys, how they work during the day, and then they're going to play in the summer, you know, playing that night. And um, obviously a little bit different in the winter, you know, you leave on the weekends. But, um, you know, I got a good taste of how those guys can, you know, work work their jobs. Some guys have a bad family and just go to play a game, you know, on a Wednesday night or something. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, the best thing that, you know, that could have happened to me when, you know, to where I am now to be able to play with couples. Um, you know, I, I spent a, uh, I did five or six years in Brampton, you know, I, we won the first year, uh, the man cup the first year I was there. And then, uh, we, it was kind of a downward spiral, kind of, you know, guys, guys leave in and, you know, at a lot of young teams and, but sticking those years out, it, you know, helped me become, you know, the more I played, you know, that's the way I thought of them. Like, I don't really care how it happens in these games as long as I'm playing. And I knew I had to play to get better. You know, like I, like you said, like, you know, it took, it took me a while to, you know, really prove myself. Um, I'm just not being a, you know, a guy that's, going to go out there and do the dirty work. If he scores, he scores. You know, I, I knew that if I wanted to be successful um, in the NLL, you know, I knew I had to be playing as much as possible in the summer. Was Joe Walters on that team in 2011 too? Yes, he was on that team as well. Yeah, yeah. so I remember that year. You guys came out and beat Langley after and you guys lost the first two games and then Cause showed up and then you won like the next four, right? Yeah, yeah, we uh, – you know, I don't think anyone probably thought, you know, and that we were going to be the team to win uh, yeah. the Cup this year. You know, we were. You look at the roster of that team. There's a lot of young players that were just coming. They end up having really great careers, um, but we're kind of just coming into their own. And um, you know, I think the two, the two, you know, I would say megastar names 
that were vets were Doc, Danny, and um, Todd. And mm-hmm. you had Rubes and Corbs that were just rookies in the league. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, and like, they were just obviously. And, you know, we, they made a lot of peace, like Joe Walters coming up and, you know, you know, and I, from talking to him, you know, and he's a really good friend of mine too, that, you know, he's saying him going up to play that summer in Brampton is the best thing that happened for him in indoor. You know, that's where he really learned how to play, um, mm-hmm. you know, the indoor game. You know, and you see, you know, I always, I tell, you know, a lot of kids if they're going to, want to go out and play Canada, like, you got, like, the NOL is box across, yes, but, you know, until you go up and play in the summer in Canada, that's traditional box across. That's where you learn how to, you know, how to, you know, play the actual game. You know, it's a yeah. lot tougher. You're playing on concrete surfaces, you know. It's it's a lot different game than it is in the winter um, in a lot of aspects. So, um, but, yeah, that's, you know, that was a big, uh, big summer, you know, obviously, in Canada. How's brother Frank doing these days? He's doing really good. You know, he, he's been out in Sacramento uh, oh. coaching, coaching lacrosse for for a long time now. Um, he met his wife when he was playing for the Stealth uh, yeah. when they were in San Jose. And uh, after he stopped playing, he went out there and he's uh, he's been on with Johnny Christmas doing a lot of the uh, travel youth lacrosse. And, Wicked. Um and he's actually coaching girls lacrosse. He's assistant coach at UC Davis. Oh, no way. He's, That's uh, awesome. doing a lot of coaching. It's, uh, it's nice coaching out there because you don't have to worry about weather, really. <laughs> yeah, you don't doubt. Uh, Absolutely. Um, he's doing well. He's doing yeah, well that's awesome. There. That's awesome. Um, we, we've heard a couple times this year when, when watching Bandits games, the, the stories of Dahoka and Connor Fields being young kids growing up as Bandit ball boys and diehard fans. What do you remember? Like, I know you said you were pretty young when you kind of got into it, but what do you remember about those early bandit days as a, as a young fan? It was, it was special. Um, it really was just because we had seasons from, you know, from day one to when I left for college. Um, my senior high school was the last year we had them. Um, and when my brother, when I was a senior in high school, my brother was in his first year in the NLL. Mm-hmm. So it was just me and my dad um, for the last couple of years um, at the games. But there's a lot of memories. You know, I got to see, you know, two cha- – from what I remember, the two championships, I think it was 96 and uh, 08 maybe. Yeah. One. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember those clear, uh, clear man. I remember the 08 one was, was awesome just because uh, – you know, just seeing, like, the team they put together that year, I, I don't think they started off too hot, and then just how they finished. And, uh, you know, and the big thing, you know, about going to those games, I got to watch, you know, the best lacrosse player ever, you know, play. And, mm-hmm. you know, people, a lot of people, obviously, and, you know, we're obviously aren't going to really know who, you know, lacrosse John Traveris is. But, you know, I think he's one of the best athletes of all time, man. To play 25 years of whatever professional cross, you know, with with how athletes and players just kept changing and the game changing and how he just kept dominating, you know, that that, that that's incredible. And um, you know, that was you know that was the biggest treat of going with Anderson, you know, growing up watching watching what he did every weekend, you know, and 
you know, I know a lot of people can attest to that too, you know, given the fact that they got to witness and watch John Tavares play games. And then you get traded to them after your first season in Calgary. Was that a surreal moment for you to, to put on a bandit jersey? Oh, yeah. That, it was a dream come true, honestly. I mean, yeah. You know, obviously growing up, I, it was something that always came to mind that one day I want to be playing in Buffalo. And, um, you know, I, I, I know it was short and sweet, but um, but it, it happened. I'm glad it happened. I got to witness the bandage crowd. You know, my family got to watch me. And, uh, yeah, and even getting to play with Tavares for that year and a half, um, you know, it was a pretty surreal moment, honestly. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a surreal moment. Oh, this is a Pat question, by the way. Um, I did not want to ask you this because obviously the Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl. But um, when the Bills win the Super Bowl next year, where is the parade going to run through? It'll be uh, downtown Buffalo City Hall. I, uh, I will be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will be there. I probably don't know if I'll be able to remember it, but uh, <laughs> I will be there. My body will be there. <laughs> well, hopefully it'll follow up a Albany Firewolves championship parade. Uh, you guys are in a position where you kind of control your own destiny. You got this weekend off, a big weekend against New York next weekend. appreciate the time, Joey. All the best, man. Hi to the family for us, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right, man? All right. Thank you for having me on. Patty, do you agree, or where would you have the Buffalo Bills championship parade? Where would it go in your mind? Oh man, this is the thing. Like the Bills are Western New York's team. So I'm thinking, and they play in Orchard Park. So it's mm-hmm. like, do you have what do you have like a two hour parade from downtown, like going down Delaware Street and hopping, you know, all the way down to Orchard Park to the stadium and, and on a bunch of different buses? Or do you? have a week-long caravan that stops in Rochester and goes, you know, down to the South Towns and maybe goes up to Niagara Falls. Like, I don't know. And obviously that question that I made sure you asked him was a bit tongue-in-cheek. But every time I've brought that question up to a Buffalo Bills fan, um, they've always had crazy ideas. And then they say, okay, let's, okay, let's, let's pump the tires. Let's pump the tires. Let's let the let, season hasn't even started. But I will say if the Buffalo bills were ever win a super bowl, I'm making sure that I'm crossing the border and I will be at that party. I will be at that parade. It's good. It Maybe would they be unbelievable. The electric. Maybe they, that's another, uh, that, that's another thing that someone has brought up before. Like do, you, do they cross the border? Probably not, but um, <laughs> in the Bills Super Bowl parade, stopping at the border, all of them showing their passports, just absolutely sideways drunk. Oh, uh, I, I will say though, you can guarantee, like I won't be the only one crossing the border. There are no, going to be a well, lot of people trying to get down, yeah. but again, let's pump the tires. The season hasn't even started yet. They they do they did do no I'm not gonna th- see I'm already talking myself back into it when I said <laughs> I wasn't gonna talk about it but is that what it's like being a close. Buffalo Bills fan you just get so excited and then you backtrack and no 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 I'm not gonna say it but they did so many good things and then uh, 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 yeah spoiler uh, it, that that's what it is that is what it is now but it used to be a lot more pain and it used to be like ah oh, we stink we're cursed which is almost worse now because now there's expectations. 
Yeah. Whereas before it's like, okay, they're going to blow this out. Now what it's is, like, what is you, it going to take for the curse to be lifted? Like, I know a win, but like, what's going to be the tipping point? I think if they get to the Super Bowl, I think that's the, the case. Yeah. Like, that, it, it's just getting over the hump that is the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> but then again, like, this is also a team that made a trip to the Super Bowl four straight times and still didn't win. So, um, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about that. Let's, all right, all right, let's, all right, all right. Well, how about we talk about week 21? That will get you off the do or die train that is yes. the Buffalo Bills. But it is do or die for a lot of teams still going in the National Lacrosse League. Calgary and Rochester aren't one of them. Calgary already has a playoff spot booked. Rochester is officially out. But Calgary can still get a home playoff game if they keep winning and San Diego keeps losing. We often talk about get right games for teams, and often it's been at the peril of the Rochester Nighthawks. This is a momentum-keeping game for Calgary. They cannot allow this to be a stumbling block for them. They can't go in and be on the road, get full up on dinosaur barbecue, and <laughs> and lay an egg. Or, or not even lay an egg, but just have a, a bad outing. Come away with a win and have a bad outing. I, I still don't think that's good for Rochester. They need to have a strong performance and get that win to keep this mojo running. I think both these teams are going to be ready to play. Like both, both coaching staffs are going to have these guys ready to go. Calgary, obviously they want to continue to keep pace. They want a playoff home game badly. They want to keep that momentum going, like you said. So we know Mouse is going to have them ready to go. But on the flip side, I think Rochester, they're a group that, you know, it wasn't the best result last week. And even though every week it has been a get right game, they have made the other team not mail it in you know what i mean like they they've battled to the to the very end and i expect them to do the same here and and i think that rochester's a group that want to play spoiler they haven't unfortunately been able to do that just quite yet maybe this is the spot but i just think this is a calgary group calgary group that's playing their best lacrosse at the right time i know it's a tough travel day but i think this is the biggest discrepancy between the two teams I think the rest of the games, which we'll get to, are much, much closer. And there's a lot more on the line for both sides. Um, but I think Rochester's going to put up a good fight. I just think there's too much talent, too much good juju around this Roughnecks team right now. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, Rochester didn't have a good outing against New York last week. And I, it was during one of the TV timeouts, maybe halftime or end of the quarter, um Mike Hazen was interviewed and they're like you know what's been going right for here what do you like so far he's like ah nothing yet I'll let you know when it happens like he was just <laughs> a, a frustrated coach last weekend and it's been a tough sled these last eight games where they are winless so uh a tough one at home again for Rochester against Calgary but a chance for them just to kind of show they still got some mustard in, in that locker room so that's the lone game Friday night Saturday night Halifax at New York, Halifax wins and they are in. New York is officially uh, eliminated from the postseason contention. They are out. But this is a game for Halifax Thunderbirds where you want to start to find some momentum and start playing some good lacrosse, but it's not easy against a New York team that is, you know, a team that if they had started a little better, might be in a better position here at the end of the season. A, a team you cannot take lightly at all. 
Certainly can't, especially from a offensive side. Like Halifax has to be ready to go. Warren Hill, we have not seen Warren Hill be Warren Hill. I think maybe with the exception of that game against Rochester, since he's been on COVID, like he has not been the same goaltender. I truly hope that's just a coincidence. I hope it's not lingering effects um, of COVID-19, but we just haven't seen him play that game. We haven't seen him finish a game in quite some time uh, as well. And I think maybe the like obviously there's a lot of other things going wrong with this Thunderbirds team at this point but I think if Warren Hill's playing at the top of his game and stealing games I think it maybe would have hit a couple of these warts but when he's not playing his best it exposes that the offense hasn't been able to find the group it exposes that their defense kind of looks out of sync right now so I'm I think it starts from the back end and moves out. And for me, when Halifax played New York earlier in the season, and yes, it was earlier in the season, like they locked down that offense. Jeff T, I think, had his worst offensive output of the season. And I think that's going to be a tall task for this defensive unit, but it's win, it's win and get in. So if it's not now, you got to go into Rochester and you want to talk. We talked about how they want to be spoiler. Would yeah. it, would that rock that group, oh, that coaching staff, that fan base, oh like that God. is going to be a game where they would love to play spoiler. So oh. get it out of the way, beat what you think is an inferior opponent. Don't take them lightly. But say, boys, playoffs starts right now. <laughs> and I know they've already done the riot act to every, but like, it's like, we can't talk anymore. Let's get this done because pff, I can't, I just thought of that now, man. And, but dude, I, I didn't even oh, think about that. Oh, they lose man. this game and then have to go to Rochester and have to win. That would be nutty. Uh, so that's the first game. On Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern in New York or on Long Island. Uh, Second game, Georgia at Panther City, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Georgia can still get in. Panther City can still get in. So this is a massive game for both of these clubs. Is there a chance we see Randy Stotts? Maybe. I, I don't think so, but maybe. But this is a massive game. And I think this is going to be a sneaky good game, too. This is like a weird game to have in the second lap. Like, I feel like usually down the stretch, you see like your in-conference. In in-conference schedule or teams that, you you know, even like, a, you know, even if it was like a, let's say a Toronto Calgary, like, a, yeah, it, you know, a rivalry, like out of conference, right? Like just Georgia at Panther City just seemed so random. But yeah. who would have thought at the start of the year, that Georgia Panther city would have this much on the line for both teams. Like it, kudos to both these clubs, because on one hand, obviously it, it's an expansion team, a team that didn't have much expectations coming in uh, on the outside, on the inside, we talked to TK at the start of the year and he said, why not us? And he had a lot of belief and it, it's clearly showed that the group has that they're still battling uh, in the second last of the season. On the other side, it's Georgia, a team that's perennial, Lee, always uh, a championship contending team in the last few years, uh, but it started out slow, a lot of turnover on the offense. The defense is young. 
And sure enough, they're battling for a playoff spot as well. So, so two teams that maybe not a lot of people thought they would be here. Um, but I agree with you. This might sneakily be uh, the most intriguing matchup uh, of the weekend. And let's not forget, you know, despite that butt whooping they took in Calgary, Panther City is six and one in their last seven yeah. games. So, yeah, you know, they're not, they're not out of it. They're not a terrible team. They're not a walkover team for the Georgia Swarm who have lost two straight. So uh, a big game for both of these clubs, a loss hurts both of their chances, Panther city more so than Georgia as a, a loss really does damage for both of those clubs. So that goes eight 30 PM Eastern down in Fort Worth. The last game of the weekend, the TSN game of the week, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, San Diego at Saskatchewan. San Diego has won both of these games. Uh, Both have been by one goal. The last goal or the last game they played, y'all remember it, Jeremy Noble, (laughs) 1.3 seconds left. Saskatchewan was up 5-1, 8-4, and 9-6. And then a dramatic comeback in the late stages of that fourth quarter that led to Jeremy Noble scoring off a rebound from a West Berg shot, dunking home the garbage. San Diego, you know, they have to be ready for this game. It is a tough travel from San Diego to Saskatchewan. It is not going to be an easy. We've seen Saskatchewan start to, you know, shore up some loose ends in, in these last couple of games with everything that's going on with the coaching changes and the uncertainty of free agents and and whether they were going to be, you know, out of the playoffs. That game puts Saskatchewan at three and eight, I believe. And San Diego uh, have only won once since that game. Wow. wow. So it is a wild, wild matchup and a loss is a huge one for San Diego because they're trying to get that home playoff game, a loss by Saskatchewan, and they're out. So they need to keep that momentum going. But at home, the last home game, quite possibly, for Rubish, Corbeil, and Dilks in the Saskatchewan Rush jersey. And it will for sure be the last home game for Jeff Shatler as well. True story. So for me... I think there's just way too much motivation on the line for, for Saskatchewan. I know it means so much for San Diego because they do not want to continue to tumble into the postseason and they want to secure home floor advantage, not allow Calgary to jump them and, and take that. But you said it, man, there's some guys on that floor that know like this could be the last time they're wearing a rush Jersey in front of this fan base Shatler, obviously, he knows it's going to be his. And you mentioned it, that crazy game where they felt like they just absolutely pissed that away um, with that one second left on the clock. And the game before that, that they lost um, to San Diego, was the Justin Getty game. Where, you know, it was the COVID craziness and the crease of San Diego. And they felt that, you know, they deserved a better fate there. Just a young goalie kind of had their number. So a lot of motivation going into this. And I think they're going to want to just battle to the very end. And if they miss the playoffs, they say, well, you know, it was the start of the season that cost us. We can at least hang our heads high and say we went out with a fight. And I think that's what's going to happen. But I also wouldn't be surprised if San Diego gets things right and gets back on track. But they haven't been that same team. That 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 stat you just said, they haven't won, they've only won once since that game. 
that just blew my mind. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize it either, but I, again, just prepping for the TSN game of the week, I went back and watched that game. I was like, oh, right, this was the Jeremy Noble game. And then I just kind of started looking like, okay, now they're on a four-game, five-game, uh, crazy losing. When the last time they won? I'm like, oh, my God. It was the game right after they beat, they beat San Diego, or they beat Saskatchewan, and then they beat Colorado the next weekend, and then they've lost five straight. So crazy. Uh, tough going. Um, one kind of, I'm not putting cart before horse here, but with the uncertainty of what Brody Merrill is going to be doing next year, um, I wanted to look back at the relationship between Derek Keenan and Brody Merrill, because when Brody Merrill first came in the league, Derek Keenan was his coach and GM. And in 2006, Brody's first year, he won rookie of the year and defender of the year. And Keenan won coach of the year and GM in the year of the year. <laughs> like and, and Brody finished third on the team in scoring that year. That's crazy. As a defensive transition player. It it's was nuts. just crazy to just look at what he has done in his career. So let's just quickly do this. With the Portland Lumberjacks, they finish 11-5 in year one. Brody's third in scoring. They lose in the first round of the playoffs. 2007. They go from worst to or from first to worst, finish four and twelve. Brody's eighth in scoring, and they they miss the playoffs. Two thousand eight, they're six and ten. Brody's fourth in scoring. They lose in the finals to Buffalo, and then two thousand nine, they're nine and seven. Brody's fifth in scoring, and they lost in the first round. He'd never been outside of the top ten in team scoring as a defensive transition player, and three of the four years he finished top five. <laughs> And then the next year, they all half the team moves to Edmonton to join the Edmonton Rush <laughs> with Derek. Eaton. Crazy. And Absolutely then a not. year later, he gets traded from Edmonton to Philadelphia, and Keenan builds his empire on the three first round picks that he got that turned into Matthews, Church, and McIntosh. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. That's that that story and that trade absolutely ridiculous and and two legends of the game that will always be tied together because of the, the start of Brody's career and the way that trade just changed the trajectory of that franchise but every time you, know, you go back and look at that correlation it, it, it's crazy and yeah you said it I don't know what I don't know what the future holds for Brody if this is his last year the way he's been playing it looks like he still has some some gas in the tank. Uh, it's just whether he wants to end out on top with a championship or when he's going to call it quits. But when it's all said and done, his name will be in the conversation for one of the greats um, when it comes to at his position. I don't know if there will be odds for a first ballot Hall of Famer for Brody Merrill, but we can talk about that later. Uh, but in the meantime, let's try and win you something fun for the weekend spending cash. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, Patty, uh, Box Bets time. We are going to do a little thing different because uh, we're on a bit of a heater. We won again. Good job. By half a goal this time. 
the week before we lost because Toronto screwed us by half a goal. This time they helped us win by half a goal. So we're going to try and keep the momentum moving forward. And we're just going to do four picks, one for each game. You get two, I get two. And okay. I'm going to start with the Calgary Roughnecks minus one and a half to the Rochester Nighthawks. I think it's okay. just an easy bet. It's the easiest one, easiest game of the weekend. Calgary's on a heater. Rochester's not. Calgary pulls away late and easy money here. Okay. I like that. I like that. That probably would have been my pick, but I've got other ideas as well. Okay. Um, we talked about how much this game means for both teams. Panther City needs to win to stay in. Georgia needs to win to clinch a playoff spot. Both these teams need this game. That means I think it's going to be a close game. So I'm going to take Panther City plus one and a half. I think it's going to be a tight one. All right. What's your second one? My second one. Oh, I, I want to, I wanted to take the rush. Okay. To win because I think it, it does mean a lot, but I think I will go Saskatchewan plus one and a half. Ooh. Okay. All right. So I'm going to take two underdogs getting a goal and a half. I love it. Um, all right. I will go Halifax, New York, and okay. I will expect a goal fest. And I will go over 22 and a half in that game. Okay. All right. And I don't hate that. I don't hate that. $10 bet gets you just shy of a hundo. So love that. There you go. Good round right. of beers for the boys. A little appetizer, maybe a wine, a cider, and you're good to go. Absolutely love that. And if you're interested on riding with Team OTCB, you can go to Cool Bets and just type in off the crossbar podcast, and you will find our parlay for week 21. Again, we got Roughnecks minus one and a half, Panther City plus one and a half, Saskatchewan plus one and a half, and New York, Halifax over 22 and a half. That's a plus 993 potential return of 110 bucks, roughly. So as always, as we stay, stay cool. That responsibly. Absolutely. Um, all right. That'll pretty much do it for this week. Um, any other things going on out east that I'm not, not aware of? How's the Ironheads? How was practice week? Practice is good this week. It was good last week. The boys are, are rolling. Um, getting close to the season time. I think there's actually some teams I mentioned. I think they start out this weekend. So there's some teams in action this week. We don't go for another couple weeks. Uh, but we're getting closer here. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. Regular season is starting to roll out for junior B. Uh, the junior A's don't start until mid-May. Uh, we don't, we don't start, uh, until the first week of May. Um, but yeah, things are, things are heating up here. Uh, we talked about the ALL East last week, uh, six nation snipers came out on top. They won the ALL cup. Um, 
Yeah, I've already mentioned Junior Eight starts up in a little bit here. We, we've seen MSL, uh, their schedule drop. Um, and yeah, so we summer box lacrosse. Talk is, about the fact there's no Brampton on there. Is it worth getting into all that madness? Ah, uh, man, I don't know. I, I all I will say there's more stuff that's coming out. I don't I don't really want to talk about it right now because it is exhausting. Um, maybe when more news comes out yeah. and as we get closer to the season, I don't know. Maybe we bring someone on from from Brampton or we bring someone on from from MSL, but it sounds like there's two stories out there. There's yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. There's a lot of irons in the fire and rumblings down the river uh, of some things that are being talked about. So we, uh, we don't know as much as we should about the, the, the instances and what's going on behind the scenes. So we cannot talk about it, but hopefully, uh, soon we will get some more information and we can talk about that because yeah, shit could hit the fan uh, out east in Ontario. But until then, how are you guys? How how's uh, things on the West Coast? May first is our first game in Tier One. Uh, we got practice tonight. Um, but like we talked about, we've got like sixteen or seventeen kids away at school, so our our junior roster is going to look different. That'll mean a trickle down effect into our Tier One roster, which will trickle down into the junior B tier two roster. So uh, there's still a lot to be decided, but man, there is some damn good talent uh, between our two teams. And I, I'm sure that's going to be the story across lacrosse in Canada when, when teams start playing, because really if you take out that shortened COVID season where, you know, teams maybe played like eight games, these kids haven't played lacrosse in like three years. You know, some kids have it's been at nuts. school playing and things like that. We're in high school, but there's been no real box across for, for a long time. And we're going to go into a full season of games, just like you guys are. Everyone's eyes are on founders and Mintos and Prezies and Mans. Uh, it is going to be absolutely fantastic. I just got actually uh, the email from uh, the WLA broadcast people about doing games. So I'm uh, going to be calling Shamrock Games again this year, which is going to be awesome. awesome. The broadcasts are going to look even better than ever. So it's, you know, April means playoffs in the NLL are soon in the chase for the championship, but it also means that Canadian summer lacrosse is right around the corner. And, and I am absolutely stoked. If you want to look your best heading into the playoffs, make sure you hit up fanatics.ca or nllshop.com. You can buy league issued apparel on all your favorite teams so that when your team makes the run in the chase for the championship, you can be there in team colors cheering them on. Fanatics.ca and NLLshop.com. Patty, appreciate you. Have a good week. Enjoy the games this weekend. Uh, thanks to Joey Rez for stopping by and giving us some time as always. Uh, I can't say I'm on the Bills Mafia train, but good luck to you all. <laughs> Don't worry. Hey, you, I know you know what you I know you're you've got your Broncos. It's an optimistic year with Russell Wilson. So hey. I was hoping we were going to get expectation, but that didn't happen. Oh, sorry, we took them. Eh, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, I know, Pat. I know. <laughs> uh, enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. Do or die for Saskatchewan and New York. Halifax wins, and they are in. It all starts on Friday with one game: Calgary, Rochester. Three games on Saturday: Halifax at New York, Georgia at Panther City, and the TSN game of the week with myself, Brad Challoner, Chantel Chan. San Diego 
at Saskatchewan. Enjoy the games. Take a friend if you do go. And until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.